Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Father, we just thank you again today for your grace and your mercy and love. We just thank you for all these young folks, Lord, and their lives. I just pray for each and every one of them that you would help each one of them with whatever it is that they're struggling with, whatever's going on in their life with their families or whatever. Lord, I just know that you can help us through whatever situation we're in. You said that we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. And if there's a problem that we're struggling with, you said that if Jesus sets us free, we're free indeed, that you can remove that sin or at least help us to live with it in our lives. So I want to pray for each person's family here their loved ones and just pray help them to get out of here and uh, live a productive life for you or that you would just take care of them while they're here father i, I know this is hard but uh lord if they'll just trust you and look to you i know that you said that we need to keep our eyes fixed on jesus he's the author and the finish of our faith and even though he was hung on that cross he said he, he had that joy because he knew that down the road that there was something good coming out of it. So Lord, help us to fast forward past the tough times of our life and see what you're doing in our life to help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, well we're going to look at John chapter 5 today. The whole book of John is about Jesus. Jesus gave us the greatest gift of all. He died on that cross and He died for our sins that we might have eternal life. He came to set us free. Uh, As the old song says, would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. And so somebody had to die for us. Somebody had to die in our place and that's why Jesus came. It says in John chapter 5, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped first, stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years when Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had been, been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another one steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them and said, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. 
the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also that he said God was his father, making him equal with God. So what we want to see in this passage is right after the last time I was here, we talked about Jesus healing the nobleman's son. He healed him at a distance. And so he says after this, after what? After he healed the nobleman's son, he came to one of the feasts of the Jews. We don't know which one it was, but there was many feasts of the Jews. And uh, once a year, every male eight years old and up was required to go to a certain feast. And he says that there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, that was where they led the sheep in and out, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And so there's this pool there, and there's like five porches, covered areas, and he says, and these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And so there's many sick people laying up under this area. It's a covered area. It's a protected area. But it says, why are they there? It says, because they are waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, it says here there's sick people. They're blind. They're also lame. And they're paralyzed. These are usually conditions you don't get over, right? And it says there's a great multitude. There's a lot of people laying around this pool. And it says they're waiting for the moving of the water. Now, I want to tell you something about this passage because I don't want you to think I'm I'm trying to run something on you. But what happens is... When they were writing the Bible, a lot of people, they would get their copies of the notes. Remember, everything was written by hand. And so probably what happened was these pools, maybe it was a spring or some kind of mineral water pool. And I know when the Spaniards came to the United States, they you know, talked about these places that were good for healing. And sometimes today we send people to pools and these places, mineral springs, because they have some healing properties. Now, probably what happened is sometimes maybe some water bubbles up or some gas escapes from underneath the ground. The people are more superstitious back in this time. What they try to do is explain this. And what happened was the last part of verse 3 and all of verse 4 is not actually in the earliest biblical manuscripts. But probably what happened was somebody was trying to explain what happened? What the man says in verse 7, where he says, The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another one steps down before me. So probably what happened, since they wrote all these things by hand, somebody probably put a little note out there in the side next to his copy, and then it got copied and copied and copied. And so today we have some guy's notes that he wrote in next to his Bible verses and so we have something else written into here. So what he's doing is explaining why these people 
were laying around this pool. Now, there's nothing in this that takes away from the Bible or adds to the Bible and says anything other than what God's already told us. Sometimes we have these things in the Bible, but they don't, anything that we have that there's not 100% certainty about it being in the Bible, it does not take away from anything that the Bible says about Jesus or being saved or anything else. Somebody probably wrote this down and it got copied and copied and copied. So today, you won't find this in a lot of other versions, but in the New King James Version or the Old King James Version, you will find the last part of verse 3 and part of verse 4. Usually in another Bible like the New American Standard, you'll find it out there in the side notes and it will tell you all of what I just said, in a, probably in a couple of less verses words, what these people are doing is thinking that some angel stirring the water. And so they're all laying around the water and they're wanting to get in the water as soon as the bubbles up or something because they think, well, that's going to get them healed, right? Maybe somebody did get healed in that pool at one time. We don't know exactly because we're not told all that. But the bottom line is, is there are some healing properties in some of these pools But see, if God was going to heal us, He wouldn't heal us that way. Because you know what's going to happen when the pool gets stirred? Everybody's going to be fighting each other, tripping, doing all kinds of things, trying to get to the pool first, right? That's not the way God works. God doesn't work that way. We're going to see how God works because we're going to hear how Jesus does it in just a minute. So these people think that by... Getting in that pool first, they're going to be healed. And in verse 5 it says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. This man's been laying around for 38 years. He cannot get in the pool. He cannot move. He cannot take care of himself. And he says in verse 6, When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, He said to him, do you want to be made well? So what do we see here? We see first of all that Jesus knows this man's condition. He knew that he had been laying there for 38 years, a long time. He's apparently the worst guy of the whole area. And there's nobody else that's been in sick as long as he has. And and in bad a shape as he has. And so Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to be made well? And I tell folks all the time, it's real easy to get accustomed to living a certain way, doing certain things. We're all creatures of habit. Do you know that? We, we like what we like, when we like it, how we like it, where we like it. And sometimes I can talk to guys, you know, I've told y'all before, I go out to the jails and the prisons. Somebody asked me the other day about some of these people, about how old they are. I said, you know, there's people still in their 50s and their 60s and their 70s and maybe even older than that that are still doing the same things they did when they were your age. You know why they're doing them? Because they started out doing them because they were fun and it became something they had to do. And now it's just become something that they're addicted to, that they have to live that way. They live that way. They don't know anything else. 
I asked a guy one day, he says he said that his dad lost him in a card game. I don't know if it's true or not. He said he lost him in a card game when he was two years old. This is what the guy told me. He said, all I've ever known is drugs and alcohol. And I said, don't you want to know something better? You know what he did? He got mad with me. And that's why Jesus asked, because see, a lot of times we think we're okay just like we are. We're happy in the situation we are because we know our situation. We know who we are. We know what's going on in life. But Jesus wants to take us out of that condition. He wants to put us in a new place and deliver us from that old way of living. And so he asked him, do you want to be made well? And that's the question for y'all. Maybe all you want to do is get out of here. But you're not really concerned about what you're really going to do when you get out of here. You just want to be set free. You want to be emancipated. But what are you going to do with your life when you get out there? That's the question. Are you going to do something productive with it? Are you going to do something good with it? What are you going to do with your life? You know, we can do lots of things with our life or we can waste it. Just like this man's doing. You know, he can't really do much. But here Jesus gives him the opportunity. See, if he gets well, you know what he's going to have to do? He's going to have to get up. He's going to have to start feeding himself. He's going to have to start working. He's going to have to start taking care of himself. Whereas for all these years, somebody else has done it for you. See, somebody's been taking care of you for years. You get out on your own, you're going to have to take care of your own self. I always tell young folks, you need to enjoy the younger years, hopefully... Because you get out there on your own, you find out what life's really about. That, that it's not as easy out there as we think it is. So the bottom line is, is the question, do we want to be different than we are today? Do we understand the problems we have? You know, this man was helpless. He couldn't do anything to get in that pool. He was hopeless. I mean, basically, there's nobody going to help him because everybody else is going to kick, claw, scratch, and bite and whatever they need to do to get into that pool. And they're not going to get him in there. Because when you get out there in that old world, it's it's dog-eat-dog. It's everyone for himself. You're going to find a few people that will, will take care of you and love you if you go find a good church. But a lot of times out there, people, they only care about themselves. That's the sad, unfortunate truth of life that so many times all we care about is me myself and I and we don't care what other people think we don't care what other people want but the greatest joy to be found is in caring for other people and having family and friends and people that you can love for and take care of them do things for them and I pray that for y'all. I, I hope that will be true in your life. This man's helpless. He's hopeless. He's probably been hurting all of his life too because there's probably pain associated with all this stuff that he's going through. And listen what the man says when Jesus asks him, do you want to be made, made well? He comes up with an excuse. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water's stirred up. But while I'm coming, another one steps down before me. So he has an excuse that, that I can't be made well because somebody won't help me. See, and a lot of times that's our excuse too. Is, you know, I, I want to be different, but you know, I can't be different because, 
you know, my parents won't do this, or this person won't do that, or this won't change, or that won't change, or something else won't change. And we have all these excuses why we're not going to be any different. But that's just exactly what they are, excuses. He says, you know, how am I going to be made well? And Jesus just said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. He just tells him, get up, walk. This man's been laying there 38 years. I don't know if you've ever been sick or been in a bed for a little while or broke a leg or broke a hand or hurt some part of your body. You don't immediately get the full use of it back, do you? You can't just get up and walk or use your hand like you used to. But Jesus tells him to rise, walk. And it says, and immediately the man was made well. Have you noticed that every time Jesus does something, it happens immediately? When he turns the water into wine, as soon as it's filled up to the top, he says, dip the water out of it, and it was wine. He tells the man to, that his son will be healed, and he finds out that he was healed at the exact hour that Jesus said. He doesn't take days and weeks, but he immediately heals these people. And some of the problems we have in life, he can take them away from us immediately. Now, he doesn't take every problem in life away. He may leave some of the problems we have in life because he wants us to depend on him. But he says to the man, take up your bed and walk. The man immediately was made well, took up his bed, and he walked. See, he takes up his bed because Jesus says, take up your bed. I don't want you to leave your bed here because I don't want to give you an excuse to come back to where you were at and go back to laying around and, and begging and doing by the pool, right? And that's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to get well. He wants to set us free from the problem we have. And He doesn't want us to give us any excuses to go back to where we were at. And sometimes you may have to cut ties with friends. You might have to cut ties with whoever it is so that you won't go back to the place that you were at. You know, as the old saying says, bad company corrupts good morals. What is the next thing he says? And that day was the Sabbath. The Sabbath at that time was considered Saturday. It was holy for the Jews. Jesus, or God said in Genesis, six days it took him to create the earth, and on the seventh day he rested. Now, what do you mean, Jesus, God rested? Well, you know what? God never really rests totally because the Bible says that he holds everything all together. He holds the worlds together. He holds everything together. And if he took his hand off of it for a second, it would all go to pieces. But he holds it all together. And guess what? But there was a sense in which after the sixth day when he created everything and it was good, he rested from the creation work. God had told the Jews for them to work six days and on the seventh to rest, right? And if you know anything about working, if you've ever tried to work seven days a week for any period of time, you know what happens? Your body wears out. It gets exhausted. And so God created us so that we need one day of rest every, every week. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, notice, they don't care that the man's cured. He's been laying there for 38 years. It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. All they care about is he's breaking some rules, some regulation, 
And he doesn't care about loving people. That's the way some people are. That's the way some church folks are, right? They, they don't care nothing about but rules and regulations. That's called legalism. God isn't a legalist. He gave us rules and regulations because he said, if you break those rules, something bad will happen. He didn't do it because he's some kind of cosmic killjoy. Said, well, you know, I'm going to make a rule against this so Marty won't go do that and have any fun. The Bible says sin is fun for a season, but whatever a man sows, that he's going to reap. So sin is fun for a little while, but then it causes more problems than you'll ever want to have. These people are so worried about rules and regulations. They're not loving All they care about is this is right and this is wrong. Really, God never intended for something like this to be wrong. The Jews had so many crazy regulations. Like I said before, I think I told you some of them, that you couldn't carry a burden. You couldn't carry more than a dried fig once a day or half a dried fig twice. If you threw something with one hand, you couldn't catch it with the other because that made it work. But if you caught it with the same hand, it was okay. They, they had such crazy regulations. You couldn't carry a needle because you'd be tempted to sew. You couldn't pull a, uh, carry a pair, a pair of tweezers because you might be tempted to pluck out a gray hair or things like that. They, there were some crazy rules. And these weren't things that, that God gave us. These were things that people made up. Anybody ever had their their parents tell them, well, I don't want you to play down there at Johnny's or go in Johnny's house. Basically, they tell you you don't want to play with Johnny in his house. So what do you do? You go play with Johnny out in his yard, but you're not supposed to be playing with Johnny at all, right? So then they tell you don't even go down on that end of the street. And that's kind of what the Jews did is, is the boundary was over here. And so they set up all these boundaries in between so that you wouldn't even get close to breaking the law. And they got ridiculous with it. And that's why Jesus said, I didn't come to, to break the law, but to fulfill the law. Basically what he said is the Pharisees didn't have the laws anymore. They had made up an additional 630 rules and regulations that weren't contained in the Bible. They made them up on their own. And they decided, well, if we do these... Plus what God said, oh, we're going to make it to heaven. It was crazy. And so all they care about is these rules and these regulations that they made up. Because, see, they're the powers that be. You don't break my rules. They're not God's rules. They're my rules. And he answered and said to them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. What does God do? He blames Jesus. Blames Jesus. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Notice there's a multitude of people, a great multitude it says in the beginning. And what does he do? He only heals one person out of that whole group. He heals one person. And it says he withdrew from that place. The guy didn't even know who he was that healed him. And that word withdrew means that basically he kind of snuck out real quick before everybody saw the guy got healed. And everybody was looking, oh, heal me, heal me, heal me. And everybody went crazy. Because, see, that wasn't why Jesus was there. 
He wanted to heal this man because he wanted, this man had a sin problem. We'll see in a minute. But the second reason he healed him is because he wanted to confront these Pharisees about their false rules and regulations and their unloving attitude towards people. Remember, I, I don't know if I told you all one of the rules and the regulations of, of that the Pharisees made up was they said that you couldn't give a medicine to a person unless you knew they were going to die on the Sabbath. Now, does anybody know when somebody's going to die? Not really, right? But if you were sure they were going to die, if you didn't give them the medicine, you could give them the medicine. But, it, but if you weren't sure if they were going to die or not, you couldn't give them the medicine. Now, is that compassion or is that legalism? That's ridiculous, isn't it? Even though this guy's healed, even though he's taken care of, they want to know who it is that told him that. Because basically, if you carry burdens, you broke the Sabbath laws. These were basically stoning offenses that they, would, they could kill you over. But they weren't able to actually do that at this time because the Romans were in authority over the Jews. But, but they could kick you out of the synagogue. And there's a, another guy that's blind and he's healed. And his parents say, all we know is he's healed. And basically they're kind of backing off because they don't want to get kicked out of the synagogue. They're worried about not being able to go to the synagogue. And they don't care about standing up for their son who was healed. This guy's blaming Jesus. God, I guess he's worried about getting kicked out of the temple too. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple. Now, why did he go to the temple? I don't know 100%, but I believe one of the reasons he went was maybe he thought, oh, well, now i got to go do my legal duty. I've got to go to church because something was done for me. That's what we think about God is we got to go do all these things to please God. Did you know that? And that's why all these Pharisees had all these rules and regulations. But you know what God wants us to do? He says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's how we sum up the Ten Commandments. If you love God, you'll keep His day holy. You won't talk bad about Him. You won't use His name in vain. You won't have any other gods before you. If you love God, you'll love your neighbor. You won't steal from him. You won't hurt him. You won't lie about him. You won't covet his wife or his husband. You won't, you'll honor your mother and your father. Jesus summed that up by saying the way we love God, the way we keep his law is by loving others and loving our neighbor. Who's our neighbor? Anybody. Anybody. He goes to the temple probably because he thinks, well, Jesus, somebody did something for me. Now I got to go pay God back. That's not the way God works. But he says, Jesus said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Now, it doesn't really say, but based on what the text says, Jesus is telling this guy the reason he was sick was because of his sin. Did you know that we can be sick because of our sin? The Bible talks about in First uh, John chapter 5 that there is a sin unto death. It talks about James, you know, about a man that goes to the elders because he's sick from sin. And he has them anoint him. And he confesses his sins and gets right with God. And, and he says that he will be healed because he's confessed his sin. 
talks about in Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that, he, that when they take the Lord's Supper, he said, because some people won't do what they're supposed to do, some are sick, some are weak, and some have died. Now we're talking about Christians here. People that know Christ are supposed to be different. They're supposed to live holy. Now this guy, he wasn't a saved man, but I think what Jesus was telling him is somehow, some way, even though this guy was sick and laying by a pool, somehow he was sinning. I don't know how he was sinning. The Bible doesn't tell us. But Jesus says, look, if you keep sinning, something worse is going to happen to you. You know, what can happen worse than laying by a pool for 38 years? There can be worse things than that. But you know what the worst thing could be? He could die and go to hell. That would be the worst thing. And so Jesus heals this man to bring him out of his sin. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. (laughs) Did you get that? First he blames Jesus because Jesus made him well and that's why he's carrying his mat. And then after Jesus confronts him about his sin, what does he do? He goes and tells them, that's right. He said, it was Jesus. Go get him. He's the one that did it. Go get Jesus. Sick him. Go get him. It says, for this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus. Persecuted means they were saying all kinds of things against him and mistreating him and, you know, accusing him of stuff. And it says they sought to kill him. They wanted to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But look what Jesus does. He answers their accusations, but Jesus answered them, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. Basically what he says is, My Father. What the Jew would say when they were praying, they would say, Our Father. But they knew for Jesus to say, My Father, that basically what he was doing when he was making himself equal with God Because it says in verse 18, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. See, he said his father was working. His father works on the Sabbath. His father heals people. His father does good works on the Sabbath. He might not be doing them immediately, but he takes time to heal people. He's doing this over a period of time, but he's doing it. But Jesus says, hey, my, my father's working. I'm working. I'm God. He's God. And if God the Father can work, God the Son can. He can work too. They don't like that. See, have you ever heard anybody tell you that Jesus never claimed to be God? You know what? Jesus very clearly calls himself God right here. Because even the Jews knew it. What they say? They sought to kill him all the more because he not only broke the Sabbath, but because he also said God was his Father, making himself equal with God. John 8.58, he says, Before Abraham was, I am. Remember, that's the name of God. When he told Moses in the desert, he said, Who shall I say sent me? He says, Say, I am sent me. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. He tells them basically, hey, God's working. I'm God. I can work too. And they didn't like it. He told them exactly who he was. And they didn't like it. They want to kill him the more so. See, the problem is, is folks, is we don't like our sin pointed out. We don't like it 
when people do things that we have made rules and regulations against. But you know what? God is the only one that can make the rules and the regulations. God is a loving Father. God is a caring Father. That's why He sent Jesus to die on that cross. He healed this man. Why did He heal him? Because He wanted him to go to heaven. He wanted him to be healed. But notice what He doesn't say. He doesn't say, your faith has saved you. He doesn't say that the man got saved. So apparently all the man did was get mad at Jesus because Jesus told him to stop sinning. As soon as he told him to stop sinning, he knew what he was talking about. I don't know how a man that's laying by a pool can sin. But you can sin all kinds of ways without just in your mind. Did you know that? You can be pretty wicked in your mind. Jesus said that, you know, you don't have to kill somebody. All you got to call them is empty-headed, fool, rocker. You don't have to lust after somebody. All you got to do, you don't have to have any physical relationship with somebody. All you got to do is think about it in your mind. The bottom line is, folks, is Jesus wants to heal you from your sin. He wants to set you free from whatever it is that's in your life. He doesn't necessarily need to heal everything that's going on in your life. But you know what He can do? He can get you to the place where it doesn't matter whether you're totally healed. In other words, you don't have to be made well to be get along in life because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Y'all ever heard of a lady named Johnny Erickson Tata? She has a ministry called Johnny and Friends. When she was 19 years old, we're affiliated with that ministry, which means we're associated with them. But when she was 19 years old, she dove off a off a uh, dock and she broke her neck and she has been paralyzed from here down for about the last 50, 50 years or so. But you know what she's done? She hasn't let that destroy her life. She hasn't let that stop her from serving God. But she has a worldwide ministry. She does things like wheelchairs for the world, people that are disabled. She has it where they fix wheelchairs and they deliver wheelchairs all over the world to third world countries, all kinds of people. She could just say, hey, I quit. You know, look what happened to me. I'm quitting. I'm bailing out on life. I'm just going to live the way I am and I'm going to be the way I am and and I'm just going to get an attitude about it. And you can do the same thing about what's happened to you or whatever's happening to you or whatever's going on in your life or else Jesus can set you free from that and you can trust Him as your Lord and Savior and you can be the person that God wants you to be. That's your choice. You can take up your bed, walk, don't look back at where you used to be. But keep looking at Jesus and keep moving on. Say, I'm not going to let the things that happened in my past hold me down. But I'm going to do something good in my life. I'm going to do something good for God. But the choice is yours. The greatest gift of all is not these Christmas presents we get. But the greatest gift of all is that Jesus died on that cross for our sins. He died in our place. And He died that you might have life. Abundant life. Eternal life. That you might have joy, that you might have peace. Those are just byproducts of salvation. But the greatest deal is, is that God wants to send you to heaven one day. 
But the byproduct is, is you can live in such a way that life's totally different down here. No matter what happens to you, you can be different. You don't have to let circumstances beat you to death. You think you've had a tough life? How many of y'all been paralyzed since you were 19 for 50 plus years? How many of y'all, go read, I think it's 2 Corinthians 11 or... Can't remember 2 Corinthians 11. I think I got 1 Corinthians 11 was the Lord's Supper. 2 Corinthians 11 talks about all the stuff Paul went through. But you know what Paul did? Paul didn't feel sorry for himself. But he kept living for Jesus. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I'm weak, I am strong because I depend on Him. And so the, the choice is yours. The greatest gift of all is to trust Christ and to live for Him. Father, we love You, we thank You, and we praise You for what You've done in our lives. I pray today that You'd help one of these young folks today to trust You, to be set free from that burden of sin, because there is power in the blood. If today they would ask You to forgive them, ask You to save them, ask You to come into their life and and forgive them and save them and, and make them a new creation, You said whoever believes shall be saved. So I pray today, Lord, that you'd help one to trust you to be delivered from this burden of sin because just as the woman at the well was no longer ashamed of who she was but went and told everybody what Jesus did for her, Lord, you can deliver these young folks out of whatever's happened in their life. So Lord, I pray that you would help them and regardless of what they go through, Because we're all going to go through something in life. Because James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That that we keep looking unto you, knowing that you're doing something in our life. And you're trying to make us better, not bitter. Father, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Some are locked up in bodies that don't work and in the nursing home facility and the wheelchair, the bed they cannot get out of. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems or their parents. They aren't doing right and their cries, we want to have a real family. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up in the jail and the prison, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression and suicidal thoughts and a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us life and to set us free and these folks are not free but we can set them free through Christ Jesus at least in their minds and their spirits. We do about 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you'll support us in some way so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the donate now button and we hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you.